There it is, a win for the ages. This is All American, a new series from Stitcher. You realize Tiger Woods doesn't know who he is. Best in the history of golf, no question in my mind. And this season, we're asking. What if the story of Tiger Woods that the media has been telling, what if it's been completely wrong? Season one of All American premieres August 20th. Subscribe or favorite now. (laughs) A couple years ago, Sarah was sitting on the floor of her bathroom with the door locked. And so I'm looking at it and I'm in total shock. And my husband's on the other side of the locked door and he knocks on it and he goes, are you okay? And I moan, like out comes this moan. And I'm like, no. Sarah was looking at a pregnancy test. And the reason she was so shocked is because her husband had just had a vasectomy. This is The Longest Shortest Time. I'm Andrea Salenzi. Over the years, this nine-year-old podcast has given a lot of airtime to women's fertility and women's birth control. But isn't it about time we hear what it means when family planning is up to dad? Today on the show, the birth control method for testicle havers. It's permanent yet reversible. We don't even have the technology for tattoos yet. We're talking about the vasectomy. We asked, and you guys started writing in with your vasectomy stories. They were fun and surprising and reminded me of what all birth control has in common. With family planning, things don't always go according to plan. Sarah was really excited about the vasectomy. She'd given away all of her maternity clothes, the newborn onesies, the bassinet. Everything her youngest was outgrowing went to friends and coworkers. Her home was feeling less cluttered. Life freed up lighter. And after surgery, when her husband got checked and the doctor found no sperm in his ejaculate, Sarah was thrilled. No regret on my part of like, I want another baby or why do we do this or anything like that. Sarah and her husband renovated their house. They planned a vacation with their kids. They were settling into life as a family of five. And then a month out from the vasectomy, Sarah started feeling kind of weird. I'm starting to feel fatigued again, and I'm, like, feeling kind of constipated and not feeling great, and what's going on? My boobs hurt. And so then I looked at my period tracker on my phone, and all of a sudden I'm like, I'm eight days late. The next day, Sarah went to buy a pregnancy test. She'd gotten rid of all of her old ones a year ago. After work, she went home, locked herself in the bathroom, screaming kids on the other side of the door, and took the test. And so I all of a sudden see pregnant. Are you freaking kidding me? Outside, Sarah's husband was knocking. He asked if he could come in. And so I opened the door and I'm crying, like bawling. And he says, it's okay. We're going to get through this. And I'm like, says you? I'm like, it's not your body. I've just lost 30 pounds and I'm finally back on my A game. And I can't like... You know, and I just went into this tirade of all about me, like just, and it was hormones and everything, but just this disbelief of like, we are really having another baby. That night, Sarah and her whole family had to go to a barbecue at her kid's school. Sarah looked around at her family of five and tried to picture a family of six. 
Your mind went blank. And I'm looking around and I'm scanning and I'm thinking, no one else has four. No one else has four kids. Like, how are we going to manage this next year with an infant? My mind was just reeling. I was going nuts. Like, I couldn't process it. Sarah called her doctor's office to make an appointment. When the receptionist asked, what's the appointment for? Sarah said, are you sitting down? And she's like, yeah. And I said, I'm pregnant. And she laughed out loud because, like, they had ordered the vasectomy sperm motility test and knew that it was fine. Like, they were the ones who gave us the all clear. The thing is, Sarah thought she had been careful. Her husband had a vasectomy, a procedure that's 99.985% effective as a birth control method. I know friends who have had an oops baby or a baby they weren't planning on, but they're like, well, we didn't take any precautions or measures. For us, it was like we had made a plan. Like we were, we were really responsible or, you know, so we thought. And so it was like it was a kick in the face. When you were at the doctor, did you ask for a refund? Yeah, I know. People have asked us that. We did not. Sarah and her husband were the 0.015% chance, where maybe there was an extra tube, or one of the tubes reconnected, or the sperm motility test was wrong, and there were still a couple swimmers left at the starting block. At the doctor's office, Sarah took another pregnancy test, and the doctor confirmed, yes, she was really pregnant, even if it was going to take a while for Sarah to believe it. But I will tell you, in the pregnancy, there were moments where I was like, what is going on? Like, he would kick in utero, and I'd be like, I can't believe I'm pregnant. As Sarah got bigger and bigger, she realized she had to start asking for some of her things back. Most importantly, her maternity clothes she'd given away to a coworker. And I, at first, of course, said, like, oh, I have a friend, and she's looking for for clothes. For because, a friend? <laughs> yeah, for a friend, for a friend. And then she's like, she writes back, she goes, sure, but I gave some of them away. I'm really sorry. Um, you know, and then I was like, okay, truth be told, it's me. And she's like, what? <laughs> and I said, yeah. When Sarah made the birth announcement, she had the kids pose for a group photo, all of them wearing these T-shirts. One said oldest, the other said middle, and the youngest said youngest, but youngest was crossed out, scrawled below, middle. The new youngest was on the way. Sarah was having a boy. As we got closer to his birth and, you know, things started to come back, like my cradle was given back to me and my friend said to me, I will never forget the look of happiness on your face when you gave me the cradle and said, I never want to see this again. And she's like, I'm so sheepish about having to give it back to you. And I said, it's okay. Like, it's all good. I would say to people, like, we didn't plan on this, but we will love this baby. Like, I know we will. When Sarah found out she was having a baby boy for her fourth, she joked about naming him Michael. After Michael Phelps, the super swimmer. (laughs) They didn't actually name him that. They named him Andrew. And while he was a complete surprise, Sarah now can't imagine her family without him. All three of Sarah's older kids have really taken to him. 
my daughter a week and a half ago and putting her to bed and I said, What are you thinking about? And she says, Oh mommy, I was just thinking like I really think you should have twins next and they could be twin girls. And I look at her with this horrified look on my face. I'm like, sweetie, this is never happening again. <laughs> but how can you be sure of that? Oh, because I'm taking control of my own body. <laughs> but how? But you were finished before. <laughs> so, I know. I know. Are you just never going to have sex with your husband again? And you're like, no. Hey, that's the only way to be safe. I know. <laughs> I know. But I am planning on getting a tubal, um, a tubal ligation. I am not prepared emotionally or physically to carry another baby. <laughs> Sarah has a new plan for her uterus. I've made jokes that I actually just want to donate my uterus to science. In a bit, how a vasectomy can cause a breakup. Stay with us. (laughs) We're back. First dates can be hard. You're trying to get to know someone, while also being interesting yourself, and you're making that back-of-the-napkin calculation of, could I share a life with this person? Do we want the same things? On Anika's first date with Gerald, they talked for over four hours. And one of the things they talked about was his vasectomy. Gerald told me about his vasectomy pretty upfront. And I was like, hey, that's great, because it really prevents the fact that I don't want any kids. So... We can move forward in this relationship just fine. Anika had never planned to have kids. She has an autoimmune disease, which her doctors always told her would make it difficult to get pregnant. And she considered herself a type A kind of person. She didn't think a kid would fit into her lifestyle. Anika and Gerald spent their weekends together hiking or at the gym. They both loved spin class. They eventually moved in together. And Anika started stepmomming Gerald's younger son, Corey. His older daughter had already left home by then. As Anika spent more time with Corey, cooking him dinner, helping him with homework, to her surprise, she actually found herself enjoying it. And for the first time ever, she started thinking about what it would be like to raise a kid, a kid of her own. She couldn't stop thinking about the kid question. She talked to her friends about it, and even one of her doctors. One of the doctors said, you know, just because you have autoimmune And just because you might be a type A personality, you have this idea that you're fixated. You cannot fit a child into your life. And she kind of was saying, look at me. I have one and I still practice and I teach and I do all these things and I still am able to be a mother. That's kind of when things change for me. And finally, she decided to tell Gerald to see if he'd be open to getting his vasectomy reversed. And I wasn't asking for a herd of children, mind you. I was only asking for one child. And then I was like, well, that's not going to work, honey, because, because you know I already can't have one. You know I don't want one. Gerald's daughter was 18 now and had already moved out on her own. His youngest was 10. Gerald was way past diapers and potty training and warming up bottles of milk. I'm not going to be the old guy pushing a stroller. I kind of felt that he was being selfish. He wants me to play mother to his children. He wants me to help around the house and do things as if I'm a mother. And then I remember her coming at me with a 
you must not love me. You don't care about me. You don't care about my wants. You don't care about my needs. And I just told her that it has nothing to do with love. I love her. I just knew that I did not want a kid, and I knew it wasn't in my future. Gerald and Anika fought about this for three years. And in all that time, neither of them backed down. They broke up. Gerald moved out. They both went back to dating. But they weren't totally over each other. They still see each other, talk about getting back together. But Anika was always clear. She wanted to get married. She wanted to try to have a kid. A year after they broke up, and almost 10 years after Gerald's vasectomy, he showed up at Anika's house. I wasn't too sure about what he wanted to talk about. He came back and he said, you know, I can't stand my life pretty much without you. And you need a man who needs to have children. And I want you to be a mom. You're going to be the best mom in the world. And I guess after a year, it should be me. Gerald held out a ring and said, I'll do the reversal. They got married and they made a pact that after the reversal, they'd try to get pregnant for nine months or so. And if it didn't work out, they get a French bulldog. Anika and Gerald wanted to set a time limit for two reasons. One was that because of her autoimmune issues, Anika had very low progesterone levels. Progesterone is the hormone that's responsible for maintaining the uterine lining that feeds the fetus when you're pregnant until the placenta finishes forming. Anika's levels were 0.4. 0.4 means you cannot carry. You will just continuously miscarry. The other reason for the deadline is that they weren't sure if Gerald's vasectomy reversal would even work. He'd had his vasectomy at 36. He was now 45. And the thing about vasectomy reversals is that the more time passes between the vasectomy and the reversal, the lower your chances of success. That combined with Anika's low progesterone meant that for Anika and Gerald, chances were bulldog. So I went into it not really hopeful, just more experimental, I guess. What was the reversal procedure like? Oh, this is a this is for the chicken of the two of us here though. <laughs> the reversal was uh it rolled why, me why in. Did we, why me... why did uh your wife just call you a chicken? Oh, I have no idea what? that I'm a chicken. She said, Why did you call me a chicken? Oh, because you were very nervous. You had never had a surgery ever. I wasn't nervous. I don't know what she's talking about. <laughs> Gerald's only other surgery had been his vasectomy, which is a pretty simple procedure as far as surgeries go. A doctor makes an incision, you know where, snips the vas deferens seals the end, and then stitches up the scrotum. That's where. The reversal is more complicated. The doctor makes another incision and checks the vas deferens to make sure there's still sperm flowing inside. And if there is, then the doctor will sew those tubes back together, which is so much easier said than done. Vas deferens are about three to five millimeters in diameter. Tiny. The procedure can take up to six hours. After the reversal... Gerald had to wait six weeks before he could do anything that might lead to an ejaculation. But Gerald and Anika could not wait. We cheated. I think we we cheated. I think I was. I, I we. I think we did something before I was supposed to. 
not only could he not wait, I think he was more interested in seeing if it even works. He was just like, one cheat time, it's not going to kill you. I stayed still for the first three days. You know what? Somehow he talked me into it. I don't know, but <laughs> it was one time. It wasn't a memorable time, and I think it went pretty quick. After that, Gerald followed the doctor's orders. No ejaculation until his checkup, just to make sure he heals properly. But in the meantime, Anika realized her period was late. She took a pregnancy test. And it says I'm pregnant. Getting pregnant was already a long shot. There was Gerald's age, the freshness of the reversal, the likelihood the reversal would even work, plus Anika's progesterone levels. Getting pregnant the first time they ever tried, it's like getting a hole-in-one your first time on a golf course with a broken club and a broken wrist. Anika wondered, what if Gerald's been banking on the unlikelihood of getting Anika pregnant? What if he was secretly rooting for a French bulldog? I wasn't sure how he really was going to feel. She waited a couple weeks, and then on Super Bowl Sunday, after his team won and he won his betting pool, when Gerald was in the best possible mood, Anika handed him a box. Inside was a picture frame holding her positive pregnancy test. So as he's opening it, he's looking at it, and he's like, what is this? What is this? And I'm like, what do you think it is? And he's like, I don't know. What is this? And I'm like, it's a pregnancy test, dude. And he's like, are you pregnant? And I was like, yes. And he's like, no, you're not. And I'm like, yes, I am. And he's like, no, you're not. And he's like, when? And I'm like, that one time I'm guessing. Anika's fears were unfounded. He was completely thrilled to be a dad again. Cheers of joy. The pregnancy took, and Anika gave birth to a healthy baby girl. Little Mia is now two years old and a total daddy's girl. Now I'm the one fighting to push the stroller. <laughs> and Anika wants to push the stroller, but I'm, I'm the one always grabbing it. And six months after their daughter was born, Gerald reversed his reverse vasectomy. That is, he got a second vasectomy. I got the vasectomy right away again. Otherwise, we'd have five kids, probably. <laughs> They're a very romantic couple. Now that Gerald has undergone both a vasectomy and a reverse vasectomy, he and Anika are thinking about his teenage son, Corey. Gerald and I jokingly said that for Corey's uh, high school graduation, we were going to give him a vasectomy to make sure that he finished college. And then his college graduation is we will pay for the reversal. Parents, they can be so thoughtful. In a bit, we're going on a field trip out of the studio, and I'm going to get a little tiny taste of what it would be like to have a vasectomy. Don't go away. Advertisements. (laughs) Welcome back. So for our last story, I want to tell you about a little journey I went on, inspired by Sarah and Gerald and Anika. It started when I was Googling to learn more about what the recovery is like for a vasectomy. And I found this. It's a TV commercial from this past March. Have a ball, get nuts, go nads. Vasectomy. 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 Buffalo Wild Wings. Roar! The TV commercial cuts between images of 
nuts being smashed and grapes being cut off the vine. A doctor poses with pruning shears, and then they show you a special bar stool. It has a metal slab right in the front that's electronically cooled. We made a stool for you. Come sit on the jewel stool. It's a chair for men who just got a vasectomy. Strapped with a jeweler cooler, it'll chill both your jewels and your beer. It instantly felt so different than the way we talk about women's health. Because Buffalo Wild Wings wants you to ice your balls in public. The Jewel Stool came about after Buffalo Wild Wings, or probably their ad agency, heard this insane fact. The number of scheduled vasectomies goes up by 30% around the time of the NCAA college basketball tournament. You know, March Madness. As sports fans know, and I just learned with help from some guy at my office and a friend from college, the tournament typically starts on a Thursday when there are eight games to watch. And then there's a Friday with eight more games. And all of these are very important games. They're the ones that are most likely to involve an epic upset. You know, Cinderella stories, the madness part of March Madness. These are the days basketball fans want to take off work and sit on a couch with a bag of frozen peas. Everyone and their mothers is getting a vasectomy for the tournament. I didn't even know what we were getting in the boxes. I thought we were getting like some some weird thing from overseas. But we got a jewel stool, kind of cool in a weird way. I had to see the jewel stool myself. So on the day of the NCAA finals, I headed to the Koreatown Buffalo Wild Wings here in Los Angeles. I wanted to sit in the jewel stool. This is my guide. All right, my name's Quinlan Branch. I'm also a twin. There's one over there. Uh, my twin's over there. A guy who looks identical to Quinlan walks by with some beers on a tray. The chairs are also twins. There's a matching set facing the bar with the best views of the TV in the entire place. Both jewel stools look like a normal bar stool, but painted all black and plugged into the wall. A compressor down below chills a raised metal plate in the middle of the seat. We've had about, I want to say like two or three people come through. It's been uh, older men generally, uh, but I sat in it. It was actually comfy, cold, a little nourishing, but also cold at the same time. Next to the chair is a brochure with important language reminding you not to sit in the chair longer than 20 minutes. That the jewel stool has no actual medical benefits. You get the best of the best for your balls, okay? That's how we do it. So I get in the chair. Something that, in the abstract, being a woman in a special vasectomy chair should be embarrassing. But as I ordered some wings and a beer and watched the game, I felt cool. Literally and figuratively. A few days before I got up there, I'd been telling one of our listeners about the stool. Danielle is 30 years old and lives in Moorhead, Minnesota. What would the version of that be for a new mom who just had a C-section? Oh, my gosh. You would need more than a stool. (laughs) It's like your entire abdomen. When Danielle and her husband, Spencer, decided he should get a vasectomy, he scheduled it just six months after Danielle had gotten a C-section. I feel like maybe it was a little too soon after my C-section because it was so fresh in my memory. It was so fresh that she couldn't stop noticing all the similarities and differences between a C-section and a vasectomy. Like, 
both are usually done with just a local anesthetic. They don't put you to sleep. And leading up to his vasectomy, he would say things to me like, oh, can you imagine what that'll be like? I'm like kind of nervous about that. And then I was like, oh my goodness, wow, yeah, I can imagine what it would be like to be awake during surgery because I just was (laughs) not long ago. Danielle remembers the surgery was really quick. It took about an hour from start to finish. He was up and walking afterwards, something Danielle was struggling to do after her C-section. They don't want you to get blood clots and things like that. So just hours after her C-section, nurses came by to make sure Danielle was up and out of bed. There was a nurse who helped me kind of maneuver over to a chair, and that was going to be the first step was like, okay, just sit in this chair instead of in the bed. Well, I was anemic, and I started to feel like I was going to pass out. So after a couple minutes, I called her back, and I said, can you help me get back into the bed? I really don't feel good. And she was like, are you kidding? You want to go back in the bed already? A few days later, Danielle was discharged. You know, like on TV, when people have babies and then when they leave the hospital, they get pushed out in a wheelchair. That did not happen for me. They made me walk all the way down to the car. So I had to walk like this whole hallway to the elevator, go down the elevator. And then they're like, "Okay, make sure that the car seat is correct in the car. And so then I had to like stand there, too, while we were getting her in the car seat. And as I told other people that story who also had babies at that hospital, they were like, that's weird. Like, I was in a wheelchair. And I'm like, what is going on? And I said to my husband, gosh, maybe that nurse didn't realize that I had a C-section. And he's like, babe, she was in the room when you had the C-section. Later at home, Danielle started passing huge blood clots. She Googled and found out that that's a common thing that can happen if you are too active after a C-section. But... The days after Spencer's vasectomy went very differently. When Spencer left the doctor's office, the doctor gave him strict orders to rest and relax for three whole days. No heavy lifting, no strenuous activity, for a full week. And I was thinking, three days? Like, you had one stitch. I was literally sliced open. Like, people put their hands inside of me and pulled a human out. And I didn't even have three minutes before then I had a baby on my breast breastfeeding, which was so magical. And obviously I wouldn't trade that for anything, but it's just so crazy because I didn't have rest and relaxation. I had like, now I've got a baby and I'm a mom and this is one of the hardest things anyone can do. And I'm also recovering from major surgery. So that part was just like, no way. Like, and I think the hardest part really is that, We are such partners when it comes to parenting. It's like, I need you. You can't be in bed for three days. What am I going to do? I need you. But doctor's orders were doctor's orders. When they got home, Spencer parked himself on the couch with a bag of frozen peas. And then Danielle was on her own with their two kids. There were times where I was like, I just, I like, I need to go run and like, Drain the macaroni noodles. Can you just hold the baby for a minute? And then he'd be like, well, yeah, but maybe prop her next to me because I'm not supposed to carry more than five pounds. So then it would be like, oh, my God. Danielle's parents stopped by that week to help with the kids. And while they were there, they always made sure to check that Spencer had his frozen peas. When Danielle talked to them on the phone, they'd always ask her how Spencer was doing. And I don't, maybe people checked in with me after my 
C-section, but it also just felt like everyone was so concerned with the baby. And even if I didn't feel great, you kind of just have to be like, oh, you know, I'm kind of sore, but it's fine. We're okay. It's fine. I'll be fine. Right. You're not allowed to grab your neighbor and be like, it's terrible. (laughs) Bring me a meatloaf. Yeah, you're not allowed to. Yeah, especially because when you hear about other women who are going to have to have C-sections, it's scary. And so I don't know, people don't really want to talk about how scary it is because you want to tell them, oh, it'll be fine. I had one and it was not bad. It was fine. Did sex with your husband change after he had a vasectomy? Hold on, my three-year-old came in. Oh, okay, honey. Remember, I'm on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think. What did that, What did she need to know? <laughs> oh, she. We're trying to be done with the pacifier, and so she can have the pacifier only if she's in her room, and it's called a passy break. She's just wondering if she can have a pacifier. But then she told me, um, so you don't come bother me either. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think that it's changed for the better for us, mostly just because we know, like, we're on to the next chapter of our lives. Like, we're done having kids. So now, like, this is our family and we're complete. And now we just get to kind of ride this out and watch them grow And that part is, like, really exciting. Like, this is it. This is us now. So I'm back up here on the jewel stool. This is, like, my passy break. My wings are finished. I'm kind of feeling jealous. I mean, not only do straight men get a permanent yet reversible birth control option that isn't an invasive surgical procedure, but vasectomies from what I can tell, are just talked about differently. When I have a house guest, I hide my birth control. I will ask a colleague quietly, have you found a good gynecologist? But these guys, they are so proud to tell you what the peas are for and exactly how much swelling happened. How can we bring this over to women's healthcare needs? What if we had a cheesecake factory that offered those ice donuts for women who just gave birth? What if there could be a Super Bowl commercial for Levi's jeans that talked about how some birth control methods cause spotting between your periods? I want the number of IUD insertions to go up, timed with the Women's Soccer World Cup. I want a special chair at the movie theater with a heat pack for the days when you're having a really bad period. Eh, Just some free ideas for me. Inspired by a lovely sports bar chain with a solid wing game. But now my 20 minutes are up. So, so cold. I have to get off this jewel stool. We want to hear from you. How have your family plans been thrown for a loop? Tell us in the comments for this episode. That's episode number 195. This episode was produced by me, Andrea Salenzi, with Jackie Sajiko. We were edited by Amy Drostowska. Our show's creator and executive producer is Hilary Frank. Our engineer is Brendan Burns. Our technical director is John Delore. Our music is performed by hotmoms.gov. We get editorial support from Peter Clowney, Antoni Akatunde, 
Anne-Marie Baldonado, Rekha Murthy, and Julia Wang. And I want to tell you about one of our new favorite shows. It's called The Double Shift. It's a reported storytelling podcast about a new generation of working mothers. It's produced and hosted by Katherine Goldstein, who helped us with our It's a Real Mother series. Past episodes of their show includes an intimate audio documentary about what it's like to run for office with little kids. And my personal favorite is one where Katherine got behind the mic and she talked about being a working mom while developing her show, The Double Shift. Check out The Double Shift wherever you get your podcasts. Next time on The Longest Shortest Time. Last week, we promised you that this week would be an episode inspired by a Michelle Philgate essay collection. So I'm going to read my essay, What My Mother and I Don't Talk About. That episode is still one more week away. Sorry, our bad. You're going to love it, though. So make sure not to miss that episode by subscribing to The Longest Shortest Time on Stitcher or wherever you're listening right now. No, 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 no.